Three, it doesn't matter. two, so oh, one. Oh, no, fuck. <laughs> you, you're playing Subway Surfers. No, I'm oh not. My God. Seb is playing Subway Surfers. Seb's watching TikTok. I was, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you absolutely <laughs> caught out. Seb is playing sen- with sensory foam, and they oh, have a fidget spinner on my one hand. God. Please don't listen to this. Your life depends on it. This is the show where we do something different every single week. And this week we played alleged game of the year that I will be putting on trial of Baldur's Gate 3. Finding Nemo. If it's so good, where are the robots? That's what I'm saying. There are robots. Hold on. I didn't ask you. Okay. Baldur's Gate 3 can defend themselves. Okay. Uh, Unless you're their lawyer. I'm their lawyer. (laughs) You're you're the defense for Baldur's Gate 3? I'm the defense, yep. All right. Um, we do, we do have special guest Baldur's Gate three on yes, the show. Yes, that's right. Yeah, uh, Baldur's Gate three is video. The entire game, Larian uh, team. Uh, no, they're not here, but the game they okay. made is okay, the game yeah. is. Here. Um, wow, that was uh, not mine. <laughs> that was your TikTok. That was not mine. Yeah, you what? you were your for you page is buzzing. Huh? <laughs> Who do no. we have here with us today? I have Gelatinous Cube, Alex. Hello, that's me. Mm. Blue blue bloop. <laughs> that's what that noise is, right? Is yeah. that, that the noise yep. that gelatinous cubes make? I that think is. So. I think it's the noise that gelatinous cubes make. I definitely think that's the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have dire ant, Seb. Um, chomp, chomp? Why? I think it's pronounced aunt. <laughs> dire aunt. <laughs> dire aunt. No, they've got the big, the big fangs. Mm-hmm. Uh, hi, I'm Seb. Mm-hmm. And I am your host... Uh, pathetic undead, Nick. Uh, they um, necromancers have been raising skeletons since the dawn of time. Basically, mm. basically, as soon as people died, uh, necromancers have been bringing them back. As long as yeah, there what have came been skeletons, first? People have been trying to skeleton make or them the necromancer. Yeah, yeah, you need basically as long as the as, as soon as that first guy's bones were cold, they were they were going to bring them back. Yeah. Yeah. and uh, I, uh, it's not. I haven't seen people do any of the, the crazy crazy shit you can do with, uh, with necromancy from like Diablo 2 in this game, but I'm sure it's in there where uh, you just like just like bring skeletons out of the ground and just like have a PC slowing wall of skeletons Divinity that you can uh, add with. like more of a necromancer class, I think, because mm-hmm. there it is a subclass of sorcerer or wizard or something. Yeah, but I it's that, a little bit more niche in this game, I think. Well, Part of the thing with Baldur's Gate is they're working within a system that already exists. Wow, Dungeons and Dragons so, Fifth Edition, uh-huh. which is honestly seems like kind of not as good. Like I, to wow. me, the thing that this is what we're talking about. By the way, we're talking about the tabletop systems wow. as our opening uh, for this because we actually have played Dungeons and Dragons for the show. Wow. We did it back in 2020, uh, so almost four years ago now, uh, and. Um, 
we uh, we had a pretty good time, although it was a it, it definitely forced us to confront our conflicting styles as gamers yeah. uh, during that brief what or what should have been brief brief session. Um, to me, all of the fun of Dungeons and Dragons comes from the improvisational aspect. So okay. I am not very excited about a video game that uses D&D stuff in it mm. because creative solutions all have to be built into the game. Now, I would say that they did an excellent job of it. They give you so much uh, freedom to try many different things. Things work inside and outside of combat. Uh, very, like, open design. You can but, kill anybody you want. Yeah, uh, They've been saying that since yeah. fucking Morrowind. Yeah, yeah. But it stopped being true somewhere in between Morrowind and now. <laughs> like they, like I think I want to say from like 2008 to 2018, there uh, they removed, they pulled the lever back on uh, being able to kill everyone in a Western RPG. It's not that interesting of a feature, it's, really. But no, I mean, you're right. But I feel like the ability should be there, not because people be are going to, to want to kill everybody. Want to. Yeah. And boy, do you want to. Huh? I really want oh, to kill Oh, it'd be fun kids. to play this game as Anakin. Oh, <laughs> now I'm thinking about that. <laughs> There's a build out there, I'm sure. I'm sure there is. Uh, I saw a really good stat block someone made for specifically Link from Ocarina of Time as a bard. Uh, and I'm <laughs> like, oh, god damn, that rules. Because it's like... I think of Link as a ranger because of the like the, the multi, multiple-use weapons. Yeah. Well, he has... he's. I think of like if you're multi, uh, if you're doing multi-use with ranged and close up, I think of ranger, uh, where you have a bow and a sword. But bard makes more sense because he's always got a fucking magic instrument. That's true. He's playing uh, music. Also, bards can just do anything. They, there's almost no limits true. on that class. Yeah, like you think of them as they play an instrument, but normally you're not actually doing that. Like you play it like a couple times to get your stat boosts or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you start stabbing things. I would like to. Uh, th- I think it would be fun to take inspiration from Monster Hunter for a D and D character and have someone who uses their instrument as a weapon and plays it at the same time. Interesting. Just like El Kabong, just hitting people yeah. with, a guitar- with an enchanted guitar or something. Bing, bong, bing. So, what is the actual thing you guys wanted to talk about? Uh, you said that you wanted to talk about what it is like to actually be in a D&D game now that you've been doing it every week, Alex. Yeah, I wanted to camp out on that for a minute, but also I think the uh, the bridge to bring us towards the video game is what uh, being based on this rule set does for the game, I think. I, I, because, I mean, I, I, I do want to talk about my campaign a little bit, but I also think that um, couching a video game in an established system like this is a really smart move and it's good because mm-hmm. you can bring a lot of your knowledge from uh, tabletop into yeah. it. Uh, but yeah, I've been playing, uh, actually playing Dungeons and Dragons for a little while now, uh, getting into it. I truly did not know what the fuck was going on when we did it for the podcast. Um, but I have a little bit more of an understanding of what the rules are like now. Uh, and uh, what your what the framework kind of supports, but um, that was a big thing for me. Like that, uh, it was a was an obstacle in other 
uh, computer role playing games, uh, especially ones that were based on old editions of Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. Stuff that was based on D and D second edition is a fucking mess. Especially the morality system, like how restrictive that is in terms of people hanging out together or like yeah uh or good stuff like like if you're too evil and you're a paladin you loot you aren't able to level up in your class mm-hmm. <laughs> just weird and like thaco shit like what if i want to serve an evil god up. huh do you ever think of that yeah. well now you can yeah. but in the older editions you could not mm-hmm. you were uh nailed solidly into an alignment yeah they've really loosened up pretty much everything in terms of um like stuff like alignment and character choices because it used to be drow were only evil like That's you could true. only have an evil drow despite there being um the ra salvatore the yeah uh Driz Do- Dorden, um mm-hmm. and stuff like that so they've really um loosened that up and now there's like they have it in this um game in um baldur's gate 3 you can make a drow and they can be part of the subset that doesn't worship loth with which is their um evil spider goddess um and they're good so you don't have to be just only evil drow Mm. and be against the war very limiting it was made as a system to support a very specific kind of story Mm. but i think the thing that makes and has always made dungeons and dragons and other uh, pen and paper role-playing rpgs like this popular is the imagination and the ability space to do whatever you want within it i think that D&D is best served as a loose system of rules that you bend all the time and break whenever you need to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think that as long as, as that something is an officially endorsed uh, Wizards of the Coast property, it is probably not going to be able to do the stuff that I like the most about uh, playing in those systems. But I think that if you really want that, usually you just end up playing Pathfinder or something. Um, yeah, Pathfinder is like way more complicated. Mm-hmm. I but, I didn't even like I started making a character for it, and it like the so the player handbook for D and D is you know a decent thickness. We have it in the, front of us here. The um, Pathfinder one is like twice as thick. It's ridiculous. Yeah, player handbook is actually like very nice and uh, legible. Um, I 316 pages. I'm always a fan of monster manuals. I want to see the new monster manual every time it comes out. Yeah. Um, I like how they write them. It, it's like um, they write them kind of from the perspective or, or they pretend that like an in, in-universe person wrote them. And you'll even find them in uh, Baldur's Gate 3, which is really fun. Good flavor. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think that the... Uh, the Framework being here is is has really helped me uh, fully enjoy this video game because I had an idea about how the game plays before I even installed it, uh, which is not something I could say for a lot of other computer role playing games I've played. Mm. Um, either because they're based on old editions of D anD D or they're based on completely new created for the game uh, systems that only kind of resemble. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, uh, you both played Divinity. Like, yeah. that is its own thing. Its own systems yeah. of magic, its own systems it's, of... It's a, a very complicated game, and it was daunting to get into and figure out and uh, and learn, whereas mm-hmm. this has been a much more even experience to get into. Um, I do think I still really like Divinity. I think that the uh, combat system maybe is a little bit more 
uh, deeper and strategic there. Well, because it was designed from the ground up to be a game yeah. where you do that. This game has a lot more going on uh, outside of the uh, rich, satisfying combat. Yeah, this game is all uh, built on the uh, dusty building blocks of wanting to rip off Lord of the Rings uh, <laughs> 60 years ago. Yeah, yeah, and I think that the like getting into uh, this kind of stuff now in the current year and a little bit in the past year uh, it has been super interesting to like get some more exposure to the Forgotten Realms in general, uh, hearing about things that uh, I have heard about in other video games that came out in the 90s. That the I Blood played. War! Yeah. It's yeah. back, folks. We love the Blood War, don't we, folks? But, uh, yeah, and uh, like a big one. One of your companions in Baldur's Gate Three is a Gith, and uh, mm-hmm. one of my favorite companions in Planescape Torment is also a Gith. Though but a the other kind of the Gith, other kind, a different guy. So cool. Yeah, very neat. The Gith Sarai and the Gith Yankee. Yeah. Wow, we and, love um, There's some characters who come back from the other games in this game. Like this, yeah. this game is supposed to be. I don't, I don't know exactly how long it's been since Baldur's Gate Two. The ball incident. Um, the ball spawn incident. Yeah, so this one I think takes it'd be place. Cool if it was literally twenty years, like the the, outs- the outside game time and the inside game time love, was like the same. The balls. Uh, I think it's been longer because you have a couple characters who are very long lived, and they're you think like, about oh, it, yeah, everyone's I'm like kid a... is a ball spawn. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's very cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you get to meet them. I um the other game of the year contender, Tears of the Kingdom, did uh, the thing where the same amount of time passes between sequels as passed in the development of the game. Mm-hmm. They're like, it's been six years since Breath of the Wild happened. That's why we don't want to talk about it anymore. And I'm like, I hear you, <laughs> that's, Nintendo. That's true. I'm also sick of talking about Breath of the Wild. Let's get on to this yeah. new thing. They've usually done that for World of Warcraft. And mm-hmm. then you're like, well, no, no. That all happened within the span of two years in universe. That's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> um, but they just recently did like an actual time skip. Uh-huh. So now we're like a few years ahead um, versus like where we are in, in real life, but it's still roughly like yeah. 20 to 25 years. Mm. So I think we're, we're probably pretty good to move on. But uh, one more like bit of fun that I've had with the crossover of playing uh, this game tabletop and playing it in a video game kind of around the same time is that uh, I it's really fun to uh, come up with build ideas uh, for tabletop and then try and f- map them onto the video game. Yeah, uh, I, I think that that's great. I've yeah. been playing a barbarian and Carlax uh, starts out as a barbarian. So I'm like, oh, I, I got my first couple levels locked in. I know exactly what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm doing exactly what I'm doing already. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it's also fun in the video game because you can iterate a lot faster than you can oh, in, yeah. in like a tabletop game. You can come up with ideas for the tabletop game oh, or yeah. play c- classes you've never played. Like there's a bunch of stats and, and spells and stuff in here that I'd never used before. Yeah, I can't, I can't so I can fucking wait yeah. for my tabletop character to die so I can roll some stupid druid or bard <laughs> shit. <laughs> Keep checking those chests without, uh, mm. without de- you know, using detect trap Keep on them first. Yeah, fights magic. by myself. Yeah. Uh, I used in Baldur's Gate 3 a, uh, a concept for a character that I've been saving for a uh, tabletop build. Um, which was, uh, I had really wanted to play a half-orc wizard for a while. Yeah. I think I even used something like that a few years ago back when we did our D&D thing. Uh, because in every video game I play as the, the guy with the biggest weapon. Uh, and I like that. 
but I also want to go in the other direction. I think it'd be fun to play as somebody who has to be more cerebral, somebody who has to use magic. Um, and I like the idea of like uh, role-playing as a wizard, so, uh, somebody who is very much not the type of guy I am, and I th- I'm about to get <laughs> roasted by my friends as I say this out loud, but somebody who's very cerebral and intellectual and doesn't you're rush very into things dumb blindly. And big uh, and... And uh, I also like to the idea of playing as someone who is not very socially conscious and, and can't solve things by being emotionally intelligent because they're uh, more used to books and uh, yeah. uh, knowing smart. things yeah. as opposed to knowing people. And I, in a lot of other games, especially a lot of other Western RPGs, I'm used to being able to talk my way out of every situation. It's usually not, the most fun solution. Yeah. In like and, in your Bethesdas and such. And even in a game that's not like that, or a game that's uh, less about character builds and more just about the choices you make, like a pathologic or something like that, you're trying to find what the person wants and how to, how to give it to them. But it's fun to just find out that you can't do that. Like to be mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm not... The right kind of guy to capable. talk my way. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I'm not capable of talking my way through this situation. Uh, in so many games, and I think in a lot of uh, tabletop stuff too, it's tempting to give the player everything they could possibly need to solve every interaction every way, mm-hmm. as opposed to making them think on their feet and use the tools that they have. Uh, I was when I played Fallout New Vegas, which is a really incredible game. It's a good game. I was. I started out trying to play a character who was a uh, charismatic nerd who was physically weak, like tra- like kind of like a, uh, a smooth talking. Like I was thinking Mark Zuckerberg, Social Network kind of yep. guy, mm-hmm. uh, a guy who uh, <laughs> real piece was, of shit. Yeah, real piece of shit. Fast, fast talking, but still smart, but physically weak. But I found that I ran out of places to put those skills pretty early on in the game. And, like, I had to level up the stuff that I was weak in, and I just became a massive jack-of-all-trades by the end of the game yeah. simply by virtue of playing the game too much. The jack-of-all-trades. The jack-of-all-trades. It happens. Oh. I'm good at running and jumping and uh, oh. using big weapons and regular... And Zuckerberg was, did this in real life, too. Yeah, he did. Yeah. But everyone hates him. <laughs> wow. I don't know how that happened. Huh, weird. Oh, it turns out if you put all your points into skills, it doesn't mean that people like you. What's up so with that? So interesting. Um, but uh, when you're... Uh, like making a campaign for players, which is something I have experience with. Although I've never run a session for, I've never run a game for more than a couple sessions, which is a little sad. I, I, I would like to change that at some point in my life, but I don't know when I'm going to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, it is tempting to uh, give your players the invisible hand over some uh, yeah. Cliffs, because you don't want them to get frustrated and you know throw their dice in a hole. But at the same time, you want there to be stakes. Yeah. Which Alex here has the correct uh, attitude, where oh man, I can't wait for my character to die so I can <laughs> yeah. re- so I can roll someone new and have a good time. Yeah. I'm definitely opposite. I don't like if I've worked hard on my character, I don't want the character. So to would die. you get mad at your DM if you died during a campaign? Um. I think it would depend on the situation. Like, there could totally be a situation. Like, if you have a cruel DM, 
then I would get mad. But most of the time, most DMs aren't trying to make you die. It would probably yeah. be me being stupid. It's all made up anyway. However, what? the fact that you're making it up means that you can choose to add the stakes. Mm. And I think that the stakes should be there because if they're not, yeah, I like, like it. then, yeah. Yeah. I uh, definitely, early on in getting into like actually playing tabletop, I definitely approached it too much like a video game i think because that's mm -hmm. where my basis is so i expected to be able to win everything mm -hmm. like w we did run into an encounter that our dungeon master friend of the show javor wanted us to run away from mm -hmm. and i i he definitely was signaling it but i'm like i could win this it's <laughs> a why why would there be a challenge here i couldn't win i just have to get good rng yeah, yeah. no i simply just have to be good enough to win if to you win. did theoretically get a nat 20 every time then you could do it <laughs> yeah but yeah that's a playing into the storytelling and like knowing like having actual stakes to it is is interesting and different from a lot of the like more structured systems that I have uh, experienced. Yeah. Mm. Um, I played a Curse of Strahd run with some friends online a while back, um, and my first character I made was a drow, and she was a shitty drow, like like an asshole, mm -hmm. greedy, you know, evil drow. Um, and Strahd came up to us to scare us pretty much like that was the encounter was basically to scare us off, um, not to fight him. Don't <laughs> fight Strahd when you're like level two. Do not mm. pursue um, Lubu. <laughs> um, but so she basically went up to him and he just incinerated her immediately. <laughs> and like <laughs> my DM was like, sorry. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I deserved that. She was a bit of a dick. Like that's, that's, that's the problem with running an evil character is nobody likes them. Yeah. Like in general, like you're just an asshole and everyone's like, fuck you. So yeah. the DM does not feel bad killing your character. Mm. Um, but yeah, then I got, she had a pre-made cleric, um, that I picked up. Um, and I liked him a lot, but, um, yeah, sometimes you just die and you have to accept it. That's the move. Don't yeah. do anything stupid. When if you I don't was running die. these campaigns, it was mostly for people. This was like you know uh, years before we started the podcast, and uh, uh, Seb has uh, played with me as DM before. Yep. And I have run into uh, what is sometimes a problem, but is often just pleasant of. People trying to be the class clown when I'm running a campaign. That's me. Just guilty. Doing, just, oh, yeah. do, just doing something uh, goofy for the sake of it. And if you are willing to roll with that improv, you can have a lot of fun. They can be very I, memorable. It's my favorite but, thing to do. Uh, well, yeah. It is definitely obnoxious, yeah. but I do enjoy doing it. Yeah, we had um, Nick Kellogg and yeah. John Coleman. They, they um, were both kind of being class clowns. Yeah, they are both kind of doing Well, that's kind of what made that particular session oh, fun that, like it was a good was time good. we had um jody m rel <laughs> yeah named uh, after the former governor of connecticut yeah nice. the, the male uh gnome no. rogue who ended up having like an epithet uh of lightning lightning, lightning ass, ass. Uh, um, because he's had a rod of lightning and he uh put it in his ass and would use that as a, like a back attack bonus uh, on enemies yep and I gave as a puzzle solving item like a uh, like a bag of infinite water, like but it wasn't like a jet or anything. It was like you could upend it and it would just pour water from the water dimension. Yeah. And they they wanted to use it for every like anything that you, you had. You gotta fill up this room with water. <laughs> yep. 
It's like that would take five hours. It's not coming out. Fast. I've got time. Yeah, it's like what else are we doing? Let's fill this room with water. Yeah, my character wasn't like a class clown character, but he wasn't like a totally like as a person, uh, he wasn't serious. So he, we found a skull, and that was now his girlfriend. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a good time. One yeah. of one of my favorite character bits that's come out of uh, our tabletop session is that. Um, as one of my bits of starting equipment, I took a 10-foot ladder, and I have taken every opportunity to, to try and use that 10-foot ladder. <laughs> uh, Cam used to, uh, when we would play with uh, some of our old high school friends, he played a uh, dwarf cleric, and his thing was at, when they give you the character sheets, and they're like, here's the things you can buy, your adventures, yep. get your bedroll. He's always like, how much rope can I afford? And then yep. he would get like you know 600 feet of rope or whatever and then he's like well can i use my 600 feet of rope to solve this problem and it's like i don't actually know that you can i recently acquired 100 feet of rope i'm very excited <laughs> uh but this is a little bit of background for what we're going to be talking about in the second segment yes to kind of give you the uh idea of where we're coming from and uh what this game is trying to emulate, the kind of yeah. feeling that they're meant to generate. Yeah, because this might not be all new ground, but I don't remember what we talked about four years ago when we yeah. did this for the show. It's a helpful baseline, <laughs> I think. Yeah. But, because also, um, in the time, uh, not in the time since we did our episode, but in the time since the last Baldur's Gate, certainly, D&D oh, has sure. taken over the world. Yeah. Uh, it, is, it is like... Like normies the, play it. There's your normal criticals role yes. and your uh, actual play podcast table have friends that are on streaming services that your mom watches. What? It's like it's very merchandise normalized in your target. And, uh, yeah, exactly. What? You can go get a D20 at Books a Million right now. Wow. And uh, it's doesn't. It's kind of come out of the shadows in a way. Uh, it, it was never it's not truly, just for truly weirdos niche. anymore. There were, it was always very popular, but now it is on a level that seems insane. Like mm -hmm. uh, people understand the framework of how this works. They don't just get like, oh yeah, whatever you uh, put on a hat and you yell magic missile with your friends, <laughs> like whatever nerd. They get people always got that, but now they get that, and they also get the mechanics of rolling for initiative. They might yeah. know about armor class. They wow. might they they probably know about the difference between a wizard and a sorcerer. Like that stuff I is now that. like <laughs> it's now like more common. It's more seeped into the culture. There was a major motion picture that came out last year that was did a uh, from what I've heard a pretty reasonable job of showcasing what a campaign is like, mm -hmm. where you have a bunch of mismatched people all trying to go for a similar goal, but not always the same goal, <laughs> and having mixed levels of success. And uh, that's kind of what Larian is working with. They're working with a massive phenomenon, even though they have some experience making uh, good, well-done Western RPGs. They're now playing with the uh, most expensive, biggest toys in the sandbox. Wow. This is ha big Hasbro money. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Uh, that I think has gone away immediately afterwards. Mm. <laughs> and uh, this this game sold so insanely well. I think it it probably it sold, sold so better. well that they immediately fired everyone who made it. That's the that's it. Yeah, game of last year. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So wow. we're gonna be talking about it right after this brief break. Uh, so please roll for break. Um, yeah, I'm rolling a wisdom saving throw right now. I'm taking psychic damage. Two. Sorry, <laughs> buddy. You're going to get totally fucked by that mind flare. I'm sorry. <laughs> Alex, what do you have in your fridge? Uh, nothing, probably. Nothing.
are merely a symptom of a greater sickness in Faerun. The infected hear the voice of the Absolute and believe it to be a god. The Absolute is more dangerous than you can possibly conceive. It threatens all who live. It threatens the gods, the weave, the very fabric of the universe itself. How would you feel about helping me kill some evil bastards? Lackith blesses me this day. Together, we might survive. I'll enjoy watching you try. In mere moments, all that you have dreaded will come to pass. When the screaming stops and your mind is gone, the rest, perhaps, is... Silence. year or last year uh like a dragon ishin over here is a remake of a game with that exact name in japan but yeah. we never got the original so instead of like a dragon ishin kuwami which is what it's called in japan yeah they just sucks. dropped the kuwami for so us funny. okay which makes it confusing to and talk course, about kuwami means extreme they should probably have mm. just like they want to tell you in those games Nami scheme in, in the west mm. okay do you guys? Before I get into this, do you guys know anything about Larian? Should I pull up a little Wikipedia page? Um, I know we know they made Divinity: Original Sin. What country are they? they made They're in the UK. I they played. are a. I thought so. They are a British yeah. uh, development development house. Unfortunately, That's about all I know about them. This is the third good British game ever made. Wow. Uh, I, 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 no, I, don't I'm, elaborate. I'm I, leaving I, the other two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, good, good. I don't want to know. <laughs> I know how much you love Jeff Minter, mm. Alex. Mm. I'm trying, I was trying to pull a ZX Spectrum <laughs> game, but I can't. <laughs> All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Please Don't Listen to This. Your life depends on it. Alex, this uh, week was your week. And uh, due to you being addicted to this game and also the Oscar nominations not being out yet. Yeah, that's uh, the big reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna come out in like two weeks, and it's not gonna. The timeline's not gonna no. line up. And... Last year it was so good. Yeah. <laughs> this year it's uh, not. Yeah. Well, um, uh, why don't you tell me why you picked uh, Baldur's Gate three for your episode this I, week? Is it because you knew you wouldn't have to do anything? Yes. <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, I didn't want to snake this topic from Seb, but I did it anyway. That's okay. I wasn't actually going to make you guys do it <laughs> as a topic. We already talked about it on the um, Game of the Year episode, yes. and it's but so long, when... and I didn't think it, like, I don't think it's worth it to only play like two hours yeah. a game. So very selfishly, you talked about it on the Game of the Year episode before mm. I had started playing it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now... Now you want to talk about I it. Now I get to talk about it. Okay. Oh, this is this is going to uh, dovetail perfectly for when I make everyone play Armored Core in four months. <laughs> okay. Fine. Um, yeah, no, I, w- I was into this and, uh, you know, we touched on it a little bit in the first segment, but I've been kind of D&D pilled lately. So this was the perfect excuse to start playing this game and continue talking about uh this uh wide net of role playing and such mm. um i had also already i i did not finish Baldur's gate 2 but i've also played the i played the first game and most of the second game so uh i have interest and in, uh, interest in the uh franchise even though this this one is so different cuz it's been like 20 mm. years uh but uh i and of course uh Check out our little mini-sode Seb and I did on Divinity Original Sin 2. We played through that whole game uh, together. And uh, so we have a lot of fondness for Larian Studios. I think we went on that episode, we both said, we can't wait to play Baldur's Gate 3 when that comes mm-hmm. out. Yeah. <laughs> now, when you said that, I read that as a joke. Because for me... This is one of those games that was so obviously never coming out. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think was... it had already been in early access when we, I, when we I did that. I think it was... Maybe about to go into okay. early. Yeah. I had been. It was I, more imminent yeah, when we did that. It was like definitely happening. Yeah. I have been wrong about this many times before. Uh, like the current game that is in my um, the slot of my brain of the never coming out. Don't get excited for that. Is the System Shock Three that has been being worked on for wow. a long time, mm-hmm. and uh, seemed to me to be a classic vaporware case of the developers getting way too big for their britches, taking on a project that is an impossibly huge idea, and then they keep adding shit to it over time. Yeah, and it will get canceled when they run out of money. That's my. <laughs> uh, I had, uh, there are other things that have occupied that slot in my brain over over time. Some of them, sometimes they come out and they're good. Sometimes they come out and they are totally the result of hubris. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda was one of those things that was slotted in my brain as a, uh, it's never coming out. And if it comes out, it will be a problem. And it did come out and it was a problem. That's correct. Uh, yeah, this was a, I think it was a good confluence of things for me because mm-hmm. I had, I had played, uh, I, I played the first Baldur's Gate, uh, kind of around when we did play divinity 2 i think so yeah was, i think you were going through just a ton of crpgs at yeah the time. it was all uh it was all on my on my brain yeah. it is it's kind of a winter genre for me i don't know i think it's because it's i you know spend a lot more time inside in the winter time because it sucks to go outside mm-hmm. and it just feels very cozy to like sink your teeth into a big complicated game mm. um I, I don't know it's just a, a thing that i kind of fall into i never plan it but uh, around the beginning of the year, I always try to tackle one of these. And uh, uh, Baldur's Gate 3 is a really big, really complicated one of these. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm excited and, to talk uh, about it. And you know it's made for the computer because this is a European game. This Whoa. comes specific. And I, I'm i not even uh, cheating in saying that it's a UK game. This is actually a Belgian studio, Larry. What? Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Wow. Um, and... Uh, you know, when things are made specifically for the computer first and not for consoles, it's usually because the uh, development team is not from uh, the U.S. or other uh, t- stereotypically Western territories. Yeah, they didn't really have the same 
console yeah. like um it costs a thousand dollars to get a playstation in germany yeah <laughs> well no no yeah. what, what i'm saying is in the um in the 80s or mm-hmm. yeah like the early 80s there was like a whole collapse of the console market in the u.s but other places didn't have that as much so they continued to just get pc games like the mm-hmm. ZX Spectrum and the Commodore 64 were way oh, more popular they, the in the British UK and Europe. The British got to play a bunch of terrible here. asymmetric platformers on their they little sure shitty computers. Uh, um, listeners, but... write in with your affection for Dizzy the Egg. <laughs> I will not be reading it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree. I think it's like a, it, it is very much a, like American companies and Japanese companies mostly make console games. I mean, yes. that's, that's like a, not a huge, it's a big generalization. But. It is a big generalization. And here's an even bigger one. That is where the money is. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it, and it is Im- impressive that they've been able to release this cross-platform and they've been able mm-hmm. to make all the UI work and the graphics yes. work and, and all that stuff. I, I can't, can't imagine that that was an easy task. No, and I think that comes from the the big Hasbro money, the big license that they've got going on here. Yeah. Which, um, you know, is... It shows that a game of this scale can only be made with help, you know? Like, everyone's talking about how big and huge and amazing this game is, and it is big and huge and amazing, which I will talk about in my impressions for sure. But something like this does not get made alone. Something like this gets made with a lot of help investment-wise, a big team and a lot of time, which is something they all had. They had yeah. they had time to make it good. They had the amount of people to uh, make realize the vision that they set out with, and they had the startup money to make those other two things happen. If you don't have people and money, then you're not going to be it's able like to the, make something the fire like this in time. Triangle. Yes. Yeah. If you are able to have all three of those things, which is something that very few development studios get, you can make something big and huge and have it be good. When The Witcher 3 came out, wow. it was very good and people liked it a lot, including me, but I didn't get to it until 10 years later. Um, uh, I'll get there one day. It's good. It is quite good. I and, um But the reason it's good is not just because uh, it was like a magic bolt from the blue. They had to make the dog shit Witcher 1 and slightly better Witcher 2 first. They That's ramped right. up to it. They so it was two basically... Two bad games yeah, they yeah. made one great game. They had the experience of working on the other things. They built up a long history of making games like The Witcher 3 before they got to The Witcher 3. Yeah. And similarly, Larian did not spawn out of the ether making uh, making Baldur's Gate 3. They have two amazing, critically acclaimed CRPGs already put out, yeah. and they've been a development studio since 1996. Wow. So there's a lot of experience and a lot of... Uh, like talent going into something like this it doesn't just materialize yeah yeah shout outs to divinity original sin those games mm. are really fun mm-hmm. uh the tactical combat engine in that game is definitely uh something you can see in this game though like we talked about it's a it's adapted towards the fifth edition dungeons and dragons rule set uh so you gotta but you they all of their their staples are here you get different types of arrows you get uh water and lava on the ground <laughs> You can get yeah. all their favorite stuff. You can blow shit now, up. Now that you've you played a lot of this game, Alex, do you think it is your game of the year of last year? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess you haven't finished it. I'm going to finish it before yeah. I make it. He has not played a lot of this game. Uh, only like 15 hours. That's yeah. a lot of time. It's not <laughs> Not relative. for this game. Shut up. It's relative oh to anything. But no, relative, like... relative to how much time it takes to complete this game, it is not a lot of time. Yeah. But in general, 15 hours is... 
you know, almost 10 times more than what we normally ask for this show for the amount of time you would put into something to talk about it for two hours. I think that uh, even like setting aside like how I'm going to feel about the story and the gameplay and stuff as I get further into the game, mm-hmm. I, th- I do think that this is just a like staggering product. I, th- I like um, this is like approaching Elden Ring levels of just we're blessed to have this this perfect product. Well, not perfect absolutely. product, but we, you know, I'm being yes, hyperbolic. Absolutely. Yeah, this, it gets this, a little bit janky, especially. It's, it's just so this, wonderful that something like this could exist. This work of art, <laughs> it is. This work of art is a collaborative effort that was made by so many people working really hard for a really long period of time. That's something that seems like a legitimate miracle to get. And I totally get what you're saying when you say like Elden Ring, because that was, you know, that was two years ago. Uh, people went crazy over Elden Ring, including Alex and I. And it happened because the From Software team worked up to it over a period of 10 they years. Had the fire triangle. Yeah. And it was really fucking good. And it felt like when, you know, people make big, huge open world games, there are, you expect obvious downsides to it, right? There's you expect- usually a trade off. Yes. Generally. Yeah. Uh, and you, there are shockingly few trade-offs in that game and in this one. Yeah, Every time it's... I'm like, wow, I can't believe you can do that. Like, that must have taken a lot of work to implement that feature. Or, like, being able to toggle uh, lethal and non-lethal combat on and off with a switch to it very easily is insane. That is a massive portion of your game that you have to account for it's in every situation. Only marginally useful and not really ever necessary, yeah. at least from what I've seen. But it's like just a very cool thing to do. Like if you accidentally aggro a guard that you don't want to kill, you can not kill him. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's so many fun edge cases. Like this, this is uh, the perfect kind of a video game to me. Uh, because it's just like this kind of like very generous package. It's like it's very permissive, which is the thing I really enjoy out of video games. Mm-hmm. They don't often say no to you. Uh, it's a big thing I talked about last week too, actually, uh, when we were talking about um, the early immersive Sims and Ultima Underworld a little bit. But that uh, games that are just that have so much possibility space where you can say. Uh, like tabletop dun- Dungeons and Dragons, you could say, I want to try and solve this in a way that is not so obvious. And then the game is able to uh, accommodate that in a way that is uh, very neat. Where a more structured game might not, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Might not let you. Um, Seb, I want to know, you already talked about it on our Game of the Year thing. I want to know about your character creation process for this game. And I want to know about... Uh, what you really like about Baldur's Gate 3. What makes it stand out to you? Um, so, yeah, I, I did gush a lot on um, the was, Game of the Year podcast. Was there anything you didn't get to touch um, on there? Yeah, so my yeah. character creation process is... Mm-hmm. Um, I think I kind of looked at what all the origin characters were doing, and the origin characters are the characters that are pre-made, and they have a pre-made story, um, and they I show really up anyway. I really thought it was interesting that the games... That, like When you boot up your character creation... It starts off on that as an option. Like it, the default option is to pick one of their pre-made characters that have a thing in the story. Then they, you know, they have their own personalities, they have their own classes. Things make sense for them. And to me, I maybe it is a, a, a different perspective, but I know they released their data on like what everyone did playing the game, mm-hmm. uh, and 
like 85% of players played as an original character and mm. that's more what I expect so I would have assumed that create a character would be like the first option but no they really want to be like hey maybe you want to play as something we already made first these characters I are think, optimized for the game yeah. except for Shadowheart <laughs> I think part of it is um, uh, like in Divinity they also had like origin characters and I think that they're able to do more more rich storytelling with preset characters. Oh, definitely. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's also, it's interesting because at least uh, like in Divinity, and I, I'm sure in this game also, you can, uh, when you play as a preset character, you also get their like internal monologue. You get a side of them that you don't see when they're just your companion. Yeah, you don't hear their voice acting quite as much though. Yeah, that's true. Because they're, well, you get their responses instead of. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't respond to you. You're but responding to everybody. That approach is interesting because it is a little different than, like, one of the core appeals of uh, playing Dungeons & Dragons is rolling your own character. So it is, it is kind of a ballsy move. I do I do see where you're coming from, Nick. It is interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but, so, yeah, I, I kind of looked at who all was there and what they looked like they all did um, in their classes and stuff. And I was like, okay, I'll do something different from what everybody else is. Because I did want to make my own character. So I made somebody who I thought looked very cool. Mm. Um, <laughs> That's how you do it. Yeah, did you tweak the sliders and stuff? You, yeah, I you... tweaked my sliders. I was um, very deliberate with my sliders. I'll, I hit I'll random about four times. Mm. That's how you fucking do it, man. If I was playing Dark Souls or something, that's what I would do. But... Uh, after making my skin hot pink anyway, but uh, that's, that's for another story. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, uh, I did all that, um, and I made a drow. My first character was a drow, and she was not an evil drow. Um, she's, like, the, the nice drow. Um, actually, I have... Um, I have that character on they them so then you can you can do oh you can set you uh, can do your NB pronouns, pronouns? Yeah. that rules you can do nb pronouns and you can do um you can select a voice separate from the body yeah and they do the thing where it's like body one body two body three body four instead of doing um male female bodies cool. um i was disappointed that there wasn't like kind of an in-between looking body oh yeah when they went out of their way to to do stuff that was like oh you're they them pronouns and stuff like that but yeah whatever like they didn't have an option like you can choose your genitals which um might be important yeah it might be important <laughs> foreshadowing yeah, for you, the content in the game maybe. oh yeah um i have not <laughs> used my genitals in the game oh, so far actually i almost did uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny sentence <laughs> i was um this is a a little vulgar for our D&D episode, I guess, but uh, I was commenting to Alex when I saw him on Sunday yeah. that pussy technology has advanced so much in such a short time. <laughs> I, I was thinking about I, when I was uh, playing Cyberpunk 2077 uh, a couple years ago in 2020, I was thinking about the genital options in that game mm -hmm. and how they felt woefully lacking on both sides. And I was uh, flipping through the genital options in this one. I'm like, wow. Technology has advanced wow. so much. There's in so a commercially released pussies. AAA video game, you have uh, like multiple non-horrible looking pussy options you can pick mm -hmm. from. And I think that, that this is truly tapping into what the modern gamer wants. Yeah, huge W mm -hmm. yep. for pussy lovers everywhere. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I did that. Actually, no, I did use it. I did use it, and oh, then I almost died. Goodness. I almost died because of it. Oh, no. Uh, so then I had to fight naked. You got to use protection. Um, did you fuck a demiurge or something? What happened? Oh, I fucked an incubus. Oh. Well, 
Okay, what did you think was going to happen? Okay, so listen, I was trying good. to No, yeah, I was trying to get access to this fucking room, right? Like I I went all the way around shit and then that guy right. was just in there and I was like, "All right, well, all right, well, well, let's do this, I guess. We'll see." And then I and then it started sucking my soul away and then I was like, "Oh fuck." So then I had to fight naked and get the rest of my team in there. <laughs> um so yeah, that that happened. Anyway, um so, uh, other than that, my character has been decidedly ace because I couldn't get Carlac to like me. Um, well, her romance options have been bugged or something, or no, it's I didn't more get difficult her to do than enough. you want. Yeah, I didn't get her soon enough because I like I got her last, but I had gone around like a lot of the area before I found her. Um, so I I missed a lot of chance to get her reputation up before the party. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't know if you guys have yes. done that. You've done the party? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I have not done the party. But okay. Astarian I... fucked me in the ass. That's the good stuff. Good. Who That's did? the good stuff. Astarian. Astarian? Astarian. Yeah, right. Astarian, Astarian. Anyway, so, um, yeah, I made my character. Um, it was fun. I picked Ranger because that sounded fun. It sounded like I could hit things with a sword or something, but also hit things with arrows and i can do that that is good yeah did you mess with the archery stuff were you like at doing spell effect arrows and shit or yeah i do that sometimes i i'm interested in that that was a big thing in divinity too that i was like this seems really complicated but very cool Mm -hmm. it's like arrows of slowness arrows of poison like basically every spell effect had an arrow that you could use (laughs) that also applied that yeah it's mostly just the arrows that come with shit on them that i've been doing um, but I also did it because you would have like your animal companion and stuff like yep, that. I'm like, familiar. oh, an extra guy. That yeah. rules. Yeah. And yeah. it's huge in this like tactical combat engine. Just having another body is really handy. Even yeah. if it's just to distract the enemies. Yeah. Even if it's just like a crow. Yeah. Or like an weak, extra but... two damage can be huge in a game like yeah. this. Um, so I did that. Uh, and basically my philosophy playing the game so far has been i want to get all the story beats i want to see all the story beats <laughs> um the main ones anyway i mean obviously you can't see all of them in in one run because i'm playing like a good playthrough um and i named this character tab which is the default name um so my tab run is just like 100 good i like to help people that <laughs> kind of run um my my dark urge one is more like a a little bit more neutral but I, I have a hard time. My doing dark urge evil. also tells me to do neutral things. Wow. Yeah. You got to resist the dark urge. <laughs> the dark urge to be neutral. Yeah. yeah the, the neutral I'm gonna, urge. I, I have a type five on that character yeah. archetype because that's mm-hmm. what I went with. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I uh, what else about the game? I, I mean, I just said so, so much on the. I, uh, I think it's interesting. interesting. You don't have to go crazy on it. You can just try it when other people talk. I do want. think yeah. it's interesting, Seb, that you're coming at it from I want to try and see everything from playthrough mm-hmm. number one. That, it's a it's, it's a huge because move. it's already so long. Yeah, I know I'm probably not gonna finish another run. For this is like I, years. what if you were content with the experience you had? <laughs> Never. Well, well, that's why I got to get everything. <laughs> that's that not what that means. No, no, no. That's completely separate. <laughs> all right. So, 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 listen. You guys are all about mechanics, right? I like the story, and I would like to see the story. That is what I would I like. I think that I, I approach this kind of a this kind of thing um, kind of the same way I approach a, uh, a a big game like Elden Ring or Dark Souls or something like that. I know I'm going to be back for more, so I'm okay leaving like little treats for myself for later. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I have not done every uh, cave and dungeon in Elden Ring because I know I will be playing that game uh, until I die. 
Yeah. So See, I think it will be okay. I, my thing is I, di- I get too distracted. I think it's okay if there are things that I haven't seen in a game. Mm. I, I When I am done with a game is when I want to move on to the next thing. And often that means I do not 100% a game unless it really, really captivates me. And when a game is extremely huge and it would take me a 1,000 hours to 100%, it, I don't do it because that would take away from other new things to experience, which is the reason the, this podcast is designed the way it is, where mm. I do something different every week, because I'm the craving that novelty. of the show. Mm. And the yes. Uh, I'm sure. I, I know you <laughs> want to spend the next four weeks on this game, correct? Mm. Yeah. No. Uh, but uh, best girl, Karlak. Um, yeah, I sure. would like to know you, your guys' uh, best girl or guy. Um, I have not talked enough to everyone because of a, which is a flaw in the way I have played the game. Uh, or well, you could consider it a flower, you couldn't. Because I am playing with Emily. This is a co-op run for me. Yeah, break, which break means, down your co-op experience. Well, know, okay, so it is good in some ways and definitely flawed in others. I don't have a pure experience of discovery with the game because Emily knows where everything is already, having played <laughs> the beginning of the game twice already. And Emily is leading me on a guided tour of all the interesting encounters because she's like, oh, well, you should go here because there's something cool here. You should go here because there's something cool here. Uh, whereas I would very much freewheel it. Like I've uh, alluded to, I am okay with missing things. And I think it's fine for me to miss things. It, is, but it can be good to yes, miss things. Yes. Uh, Emily does not play that way. And um, before I, I should give a... Uh, if you haven't played the game, here, there's, here's a brief premise summary. Uh, the Illithids or uh, Mind Flayers or however you would uh, talk to them are... Squid like, face people. Yeah, squid face people. Squidward tentacles. Who... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, have biological uh, flesh ships and uh, psionic things that they like to do. Not you, were, you were picked. Uh, you were picked up on one of their uh, flesh UFOs, and they stuck a horrible little uh, freaky tadpole, tadpole as they call it, uh, into your eye, and it wriggled into your brain. And because of that, uh, because of this experimental new tadpole uh, flesh technology, you are not turning into a mind flayer like usually happens to people they experiment on but rather you were being used for some other dark sinister purpose uh, because the Githyankis showed up and started uh, attacking the ship with dragons while you were being experimented on. The ship crashes and you and the other uh, six player characters fall out. And um, then you want to figure out how to get this tadpole out of your head and what the secret behind the experimentation actually was. Wow. Yep. You got to get the dumb worm out of your brain. Yes. Or maybe that's, you don't. And that's Some, the, yeah. Well, yeah. And that, that's the thrust of your motivations for mm-hmm. why you would go adventuring and why you would want to interact with any of the yes. people that this, you would go This is what connects with. you to all of the other people who are there with you. because Your companions and going to try and get it out brings you to many different places mm-hmm. and settlements and such. Mm-hmm. And such. I honestly wish you guys... I, I wish we had waited to do this until everybody had had a chance. To we'll do it play. again when I finish the game. <laughs> okay. Just like just like a Disco Elysium, we're gonna we're gonna come <laughs> <Yeah>. back <laughs> because there's so much more story. It, it's yeah. So I was good. only giving a brief summary anyway. I know, but but, but I, yeah. like you have not even scratched the surface. I'm sorry. Which I know. Uh, I know. Alex no, no, it's this fine. Top, pick this topic on Thursday of last week, and we're yep. playing on Tuesday, right? Yes. I had work for two of the days Listen, that I could okay. have been playing okay. it, okay. and the other two days it I wouldn't okay. be an episode of the podcast if we didn't say exactly how much time we did or didn't have to play the game. I tried to put as much time as I possibly how could. Was Instead of screen, was it good? I. Uh, in some ways, yes, and in other ways, no. I feel like I am robbed of the experience of discovery, which we just talked about last week, which I find truly valuable in a game. However, 
uh, playing something with a, a friend or someone close to you is really cool and fun. It allows you to build shared memories together. Uh, Emily and I are both playing against type in this playthrough. Emily, ha having already started two playthroughs of this game, already has their main thing. She is a thief type. She loves to be able to steal everything out of everyone's pockets, not engage in combat unless she absolutely has to, and when she does, be able to deliver a sneak attack that kills the person instantly so she doesn't have to deal with it and can move on. And <laughs> for me, um, my normal type is I would like to be able to take a lot of hits so I can be reckless. I would like a big character that can absorb damage and dish it out when necessary. So I played a uh, glass bones and paper skin wizard in this game. <laughs> um, this is a character that I had been saving for a tabletop campaign at some point, which uh, is the half-orc wizard Augur, who is, uh, uh, you know, named after the uh, drill bit, uh, but also the uh, the telescoping tool, which is not the same thing. It's spelled differently. Oh, um, okay. And... Uh, I had the idea of a half-orc who whose mom was an orc and whose dad was a human for a long time. And like, oh, he's, uh, he's the, you know, he w decides he wants to get into magic because he doesn't fit in with the, uh, the orc side of his family. And like, this is how I wanted to do. So I made, I went out of my way to create the character in a specific way. I had my name down. I had my class down. And when I went into the character creator, I'm like, I specifically want to make an a half orc with a kind of soft face like and to this game's credit the character creator allowed me to do exactly what i had in mind with you almost had no a, you had a good look yeah thank you <laughs> i i had worked really hard on it emily complimented me on it too which i uh, i was happy about uh emily played kind of a as a looking guy yeah emily played as a <laughs> halfling ranger yeah uh which was you know emily loves to be uh, sneaky and getting close so she's playing a, a ranger with a you know kind of a mixed attacking build and we were because we were doing that. One of the sad things about this is that it means we can only pick two companions to bring with us. Yeah, you get um, less story characters because yeah. you have two created characters. Yeah, I said this on uh, the game of the year uh, episode, but I put on a mod for <laughs> for mine so that I could get everybody's dialogue, and um, you, so you I could bring a, everybody with an me. An entire train caravan of yeah, characters that's so behind you. Great. One I, of the things I cut them I... down occasionally if I know they're not going to be talking <laughs> to me. But... Yeah, I um. I was totally heartbroken anytime I had to tell a character, please wait at camp. Oh, I loved it. Because the party I, is full. Oh, I'll Carlock, get into it. Carlock is so sad. She's like, fine, I'll just be at camp eating dirt or something. And I'm That's like, so oh, it's so boring. Mm -hmm. Whereas Asterion, I, I don't feel bad at all. He's like, oh, darling, I'm so hurt. And he's he's obviously just like, yeah, I don't get to do anything. <laughs> uh, Lazel's like, you are going to miss me on the battlefield. And I'm like, Fuck you, but also yes, yeah, I, will. I am. <laughs> I am going to miss you on the battlefield, yeah. but uh, I I want to see what other people have to say. So, how is the magic experience within this um, game engine? Well, I would like to touch a little bit more on the oh, uh, okay. the, uh, the co-op first, but yes, I would like to talk about magic. Um, so, the co-op experience. This game has a vertical split screen that works really well. There's nothing tethering you to the other person. You can wander off as far away as you want. Someone gets into combat and you're not there. It doesn't drag you in. You're all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, this is you can... one of Seven Eye's favorite things to do when we played Divinity Co-op was mm -hmm. like almost be on opposite ends of the map doing our own thing. Yeah, and then, we... yeah. Someone <laughs> would get into a fight and we'd be like, 
can you come over? <laughs> like, yeah. where that are definitely you? Happened to us. And like, try to find me. the other person and get in your own fight. It was always me stumbling into a fight because I don't know where everything is already. Mm. Emily knows where everything is. She's going to loot everything that's not nailed down. And uh, I am just kind of like... Um, like wandering around exploring for the most part and I would get into a fight and Emily would have to come help because if I get into a fight uh, I'm a wizard with no HP right like I don't have I have powerful magic tools but they rely on me having the correct positioning and having an advantage in some way and usually somebody else to be targeted because I can't take any hits one of the things I found frustrating but I understand why it happens in this game is that I have come off of, as I mentioned on the Game of the Year episode, and I think I mentioned it last week as well, uh, I have just finished Fire Emblem, which is all about positioning and taking your turn and putting units in the right place. And and in that game, uh, an important skill is positioning your units who have ranged abilities right outside of the enemy's attack range so that they can't move to get you in time. I found that I always underestimated the range of attack for the enemy because they always had a ranged option that would never ever miss me, and <laughs> they'll throw an acid yeah, grenade. Yeah, they would on throw you. throw an acid grenade at me from you know they would hit me with a fucking three pointer like from <laughs> like a full <laughs> full court shot. Uh, like there was no place I could stand that I could not be hit, and I was uh, running into some trouble with that. But obviously, I'm playing a character that has weaknesses, and I was just running into those weaknesses a lot. And Emily would uh, back me up and try and. Uh, cover my weaknesses and did a very good job for the most part. But something I would like to say that impacted our experience very early on, Emily wanted to play, because Emily wanted to, to loot everything and wanted to get everything, she told me about something very early on in the game. Very early on in the game, right before you've even escaped the uh, the Nautiloid, the, oh, yeah. uh, the, the ship, um, there is an, a scripted encounter where you and uh, Shadowheart and Lazel uh, are meant to get to the controls of the ship and bring it down. Uh, and you can only do this because the Mind Flayer is distracted fighting a demon from hell. Yep. <laughs> and that demon from hell has a cool-ass flame sword that Emily wanted for her ranger. So she's like, come on, let's just, while he's distracted fighting the Mind Flayer, we can kill him and take the sword. And I'm like, okay, but I would, I would just probably go to escape because there are demons coming up from the back that yeah. if you take too long, which of course you will because you're level one characters, you can't kill this guy fast. Um... They will come up and they will attack you. So what we did is we start working on attacking this guy. And Shadowheart misses every attack because she sucks. And uh, I uh, I did my best to attack. Use her as your heal bot. Yeah, but her healing keeps fucking up too. She can't do oh, anything well, with sorry. her starting class. It's bad. Uh, and maybe, and um, Emily said that we were just she having forgot. a particularly bad run of luck because her playthroughs were never like that. Mm. Uh, which can happen if you're rolling the dice. Sometimes wow. it doesn't work out for you, and when it's huh. random every time, it can't. It doesn't fudge the numbers for you, like Fire Emblem that will will do at least since Awakening. Um, anyway, uh, so we're working to try and get this uh, this Mind Flayer's HP down or, or this Demon's HP down to zero, and the the uh, support demons come up from behind because we're taking too long, and they fucking kill Lazel, and I'm like, she's dead now. Like, <laughs> we, what are we going to do about that? And Emily said, don't worry. There's a, a cutscene coming up. I can't imagine that they would have something special for that. She's probably still going to end up at the exact same place she does in the normal game uh, because she ends up in a cage where you have to, that you have to free her yeah. from. Mm. Um, uh, so we did end up kill, killing the guy. Emily got the flame sword she wanted, and then we crashed the Nautiloid. And then... <laughs> 
Lazelle's corpse is just on the ground. She's she's for real dead. And yep. it's like, oh, we skipped a big chunk of the game where you have to go free her from a, a cage. <laughs> you could just because, go bring a revival spell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could just bring there. a Revivify uh, <laughs> to, to save her. That's and that so was cool. it. And it was like, oh, th- this is a situation that we had completely not been expecting and That's didn't funny. know was a... And this all uh, occurred because of Emily's prior knowledge of the game and her play style. And I had uh, fun with it. And... Um, we were playing uh, – in most games, we do not get along well co-op because our, of our vastly different styles of gameplay. Uh, we have had success in something like Monster Hunter where our goals are so strictly aligned that there's no real room for deviation. Uh, but even then, Emily would uh, have a funny reaction when I would heal her. She'd be like, why are you doing that? I could heal myself. I'm like, I'm playing a support <laughs> class. Like, it's my job to heal That's you. That's all it's I can personally, do. You're, yeah. not, you're not playing alone. Like, I'm going to interact with you. Like, just in being totally incredulous at the idea that someone would interact with her in a co-op game. Yeah. And um, in this one, uh, she, as a ranger, has a lot of advantages that I do not. Uh, as a wizard and uh also with knowledge of the game she's usually getting into a good position before fights start yeah um after we unlocked carlock uh carlock i've been um bringing her around which has made a big difference because before i had uh lazelle and i had will and neither of them were good at taking the aggro off of me yeah uh as as the wizard who can't take hits the barbarian is awesome for that Mm -hmm. especially with uh with reckless attack you can make everyone want to look at you because they take advantage on hits right yeah lazelle is really powerful but people don't necessarily well she's a fighter at the start right yeah yes and she's definitely useful like when i had her she was one of the starting starting party members of course her and shadowheart and um I didn't hate them at all. I was yeah. I still had a good time. Fighter with them. is very cool in five E. There's uh, a lot of neat stuff you can do. And uh she uh wanted to fuck me immediately. Of course. Uh which I did reciprocate uh because I had a hard time saying no to her. It was actually very <laughs> difficult to say no to her. <laughs> Interesting. Um But uh uh playing as a uh as a mage, I had a lot of options. One of the things that I found enjoyable about this is having a high intelligence character with skills in history and arcana uh, means that uh, you get a lot of options to roll for like history or arcana that say and you say something that is very nice, useful background information on the world that doesn't actually solve your problem. It just tells you what's going on. <laughs> no one on. really gives a yeah. shit that uh, this, this this used to trivia, be the deity. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Flippity oh, bloops. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I know how I know how to work this magic portal. I know the exact runes that uh, that make it work, and it's like, great. Does, does that change what's going on? It's like, no, not especially. No, no, but you just. Know I do know. Um, I can tell you about it. Yeah, if you want. I, I can tell. I could tell you the trivia of what it is. It's like having the encyclopedia skill in Disco Elysium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I was able to uh, logic my way into a bunch of conversations that <laughs> didn't actually resolve because I didn't solve the character's problems. I just told them stuff that I knew, which was so great. <laughs> That's very fun. Um, it's good role-playing flavor. Yes, it works out really well. And I, uh, you know, some of the, one of my Western RPG uh, comparison points for this game, especially the way the char- the companions are set up, is Mass Effect, which it leans way farther on the other direction in terms of what you're allowed to do for role playing, but uh, because of my uh, thoughts on a game like that, there are some things that I expected 
like in terms of like how it puts the player up on a pedestal that are not true about this game. You know, you don't have access to every interaction just because you're there. Sometimes you'll be locked out of saying something because you're not the right race or class or you don't have the right skills. And there's no way to just go right fix that. Yeah, don't have the right origin. There's no way to just go fix that in a menu somewhere. You made that choice when you picked up the game. It's good. Um, and uh, picking a half orc as a as a race meant that I was able to say a bunch of really hypocritical things because I, you know, couldn't lift a five pound barbell as my character. But, <laughs> but you uh, still have that intimidation as, yeah, proficiency. I, yeah, I still have intimidation <laughs> proficiency. I can I can scare off goblins by giving them a scary look, but. They don't. What they don't know is that uh, if a strong breeze happens, I blow away. <laughs> um, yeah, your four strengths down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I, I had there was things like that that were a lot of fun. I found myself um, like running into all kinds of walls because I, like I said, I'm not used to playing this kind of character. Uh, Magic missile still rules. Yep. But I felt that I was not. I was on a ramp that would eventually get really crazy in terms of magic. And right now, I'm on the bottom of that ramp, and I have <laughs> nothing. When I in every combat uh, encounter, I am inadequate. In every dialogue encounter, I am inadequate because I don't have the skills for that. Yeah. Every level up shows me a bunch of cool shit that I can't do yet. <laughs> and uh, you don't even get to pick your school of magic specialty until level four, which, despite getting into shitloads of fights that I thought were unnecessary. And doing tons of story shit, playing this game for six and a half hours, I could not reach level four. Uh, yeah, the level curve is interesting. I have heard, I have not finished this game, but I've heard that you like top out at like level 15 or so, which is interesting in a game, like in, in a system where you get an, you usually get an awesome ability at level 20 yeah. in 5e. Yeah, I think I might be level 12. And yeah. I'm towards the end of the game. I, I have heard people don't get past 16 or so. I um, uh, I already have planned out what kind of wizard I want to be, which I talked a little bit with Alex about when yeah. I saw him on uh, Sunday. He got to watch Emily and I play through yeah, uh, a, couple was of, very a couple of encounters. Uh, yeah, so we have uh, very divergent styles of play that brush up against each other, but we still had a lot of fun playing the game, and I, I liked showing him what the uh, the two of us were up to. Unfortunately, because we split companions like that, it meant that I couldn't bring everyone I wanted with me because Emily wants Asterion with her at all times yeah. because <laughs> she likes his dialogue and because she's not playing a thief. She has to have yep. the thief with yep. her because yeah. she, she still wants to be able to thing. do all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which makes sense. I totally understand it. But I would like to bring three companions with me instead of yeah. one That's because I want to hear what they all have to say and I would like to be able to... Uh, build my party around specific things. But so this, this do, is the kind of sacrifices you make for love. Sorry, how, how do the cutscenes work when you're playing split screen? Uh, if, they focus on one character. Yeah, it's like Divinity. But uh, if your character is close and you're not the one who's talking, you can press a button to listen in and it'll make the cutscene full screen. Okay. Um, which is cool. Uh, that's I, neat. Because uh, that's really fun. It also means you can split. If you say, oh, I want you to make this decision or... Oh, I know you want to engage in this cutscene. Then you can just let the other person take the wheel for a little while, okay. and that's something that we had fun with. It seems very versatile, mm -hmm. which is good because these games are built around co-op. Yes. So it would make sense that they would put some money towards split screen, which is crazy because games don't do split screen anymore. I know. Oh my <laughs> god! Can you believe this game has fucking split screen that works yeah. out of the box you with no had extra to, bullshit? They, any I other, don't need two copies of the game. Any other game would have made you buy another console for that. God yeah. damn. <laughs> Fucking Monster Hunter doesn't have split screen, I'll tell you that much. But the um, 
the when I was watching you guys play, that was my first time seeing the console UI too. Mm-hmm. It seems it seems pretty well suited. The radio menu stuff seems yeah. uh, um, because fitting. I am playing on Emily's copy of the game, which uh, mercifully when you know when you have a game downloaded, PlayStation doesn't ca- PlayStation doesn't care which profile you play it on. So I was playing it on my profile on and her copies of her copy of the game. It all worked out fine, but. Um, I, if I were getting this game just for myself, I would have bought it on PC for sure. I would have wanted the hotbar. I would have wanted the PC controls. But this game works very well on controller. Yeah, the perspective seems a little different. I, I bet you you guys could zoom out, but it is mm-hmm. more like a like a console uh, RPG where you're kind of behind your your perspective is behind your your character. Your character's more center screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, on PC, you're more overhead, like yeah. a traditional well because you got to click to to show where to go right yeah you can click to a spot to go to and so i mean you can um zoom in and out i'd imagine if you plugged a controller in you could probably switch between those perspectives but yeah i don't know why you would it's a crpg (laughs) if you're playing on the pc that's what you want to play they've they've come a a really long way they did not it was only like 10 15 years ago that this kind of thing could never exist on a console Mm. Uh, or it would it would be a Bioshock situation where they took what was cool about System Shock Two and Deus Ex and uh, turned it into a regular shooter. Yeah, yes. I think um, <laughs> I remember when I think was it Diablo Three came to console and that oh, was a man. big deal, just because it was like it had never been on console or it, it was just yeah, like a it was thing that didn't to be normally come. In. Yeah, and they really did dumb it down. But now that consoles way, are just like, computers, they uh-huh. can do this. And now Diablo Four is basically made for fucking phones. So it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I'm glad you got some time. Don't you, don't you don't you have a phone? I do have a phone. Yeah. I'm glad you got some time with the game neck. I, yeah. I was really interested in hearing the co-op stories. It was fun to yeah, see some yeah. of that stuff. Uh, I would like to say that um Emily kept saying, like, oh, I've never seen that interaction happen oh, before. Yeah. Uh, when I was watching you guys play, I found like five things I hadn't seen that I have to yeah. go back and do now yeah. before I move on to the next part of the game. I accidentally let a guy burn to death in a house because I talked to him from the wrong side of the wall. No, that guy. Oh, yeah, he's so, like, can that you one please save me? He's like, can you save me? And I do this thing to, to help him. He talks and, to him through the rubble. Yeah. I was on the other side of the wall and it let me talk to him. And I freed him using some leverage. But uh, because of that, I couldn't lead him out because I was on the wrong side of the wall. I would have had to go all the way around to free him. So he just burned to death in there. Yeah, <laughs> I got him out, but I'm I'm such a save scummer sometimes. Yeah. If, if it's a big enough like story thing mm-hmm. or a thing I really want to do, I will absolutely no qualms yeah. on save scumming. I'm glad this game but, doesn't give a shit about that. Yeah, which is good. Um, yeah, Rossetti just pops out of the ground. Well, you, well <laughs> I mean, like like um, the XCOM games will do this where if you. Um, if you save scum it close enough, like on the turn, you uh, it keeps the rolls. So mm-hmm. if you miss Ooh. a shot, if you reload again and you're on that same turn, you will always miss the shot because the RNG is fixed. Mm. So like they could do that with the dice rolls, but thankfully they don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> but that particular encounter, um, you can go into the turn-based mode. I don't know if you've yeah. done that. Um, It'll turn on so, automatically sometimes yeah. if you're faced with some Yeah, if, it, if it's like an envi- environmental thing like the fire... Um, but well, God, that I would have so just had to. I would have had to reload from before I walked in there and just approach him from the correct side. Yeah, that would have been the way to do it. Yeah, but I thought it was a funny interaction, and yeah. I, I yeah, it was it. interesting yeah. that that's what happened in your game. Cause yeah. <laughs> now I did say the, the governor that. or whatever her name is. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Lady. And that's when I got the spell sparkler, the cool staff that allowed me to that put me one step closer to what I really want, which is being a lightning mage with chain lightning. Yeah. And an evocation school of magic. I, I like I'm, all the stuff that like you can. 
set up the chain lightning spell and then use it every turn. All yeah. that stuff seems really neat. Yeah. yeah, I didn't really, because I'm so low level, because I'm only level three, my magic fucking sucks. It doesn't do any damage. <laughs> it can barely reach people. I can't last long enough to cast it. I don't have concentration or anything. It really does feel like I am a liability to my own team. <laughs> The only thing that I have going for me is that I can hit somebody from anywhere because Magic Missile is homing and has 100% accuracy, which is great. That yeah. is great. And I, I think that that is still a valuable thing to have. And I could, if I focus my level ups on it, I know I could make Magic Missile do 100 damage every, every shot, mm -hmm. yeah. which is like insane. But that's a long ways away. Yeah. Um, I think to, like in the second act, the spellcasters start to be really powerful once you have like... Level um, three spells. And yeah, stuff. spell slots that are higher level. Like you can just do literally anything, and you just every level up, or maybe I not think, every level up, you, you get more and more different spells. I think right. a, a good thing about fifth edition that I've been enjoying is that you can because of because of the way that tabletop is, you're not always going to get to max level playing at a, in a group with your friends. Mm -hmm. So a lot of I feel like a lot of the abilities are specced towards. Like being fun and interesting right now. Right. I think the early game is. Uh, I think it takes like a good three levels to get, or three or four levels to get your subclasses and start start to get some synergies. Yeah, I but, I have not reached the point in the game that I would consider to be, uh, you know, interesting. I guess I would say for combat. Yeah. I'm I'm more annoyed in combat because it feels like. I don't have tools to deal with anything, and yeah. my enemies can all handle me, and no I, problem. I think part of that, too, is that you're playing outside your comfort zone, which yes. is good, but uh, is something that you might... Mm -hmm. Like, if you always played casters, you might have more of a, a reflex for that. Uh, it's true that I do not, but also another thing is that uh, often encounters in this game start with you talking to someone, and to talk to someone, you are right in front of them, <laughs> which is the opposite of where I would want to be yeah. if I am playing as a mage. You got to get some mist step going so you can yeah. teleport teleport to a, a better mm -hmm. position. Teleport yeah. to a safe zone. But every time I tried to run away, the enemy would hit me from again, like the other side of the fucking room, either because <laughs> yeah. they had dash yeah. step to to get to me from wherever they were. Or they had some crazy ranged attack to hit me from there, which is like also stuff that I have access to, but I just don't have it. Yeah. Like it's, it's something I could, if I built my character around, do, but I didn't. There's some feats. Um, watch out for the ones that let you um, not get hit um, for the attack of opportunity because you can just like negate that completely. Mm. Well, I, I, I definitely did get hit by that a couple of times, but it wasn't like mm. an all the time thing. It was mostly that I would talk to somebody and then it's like diplomacy has failed I have to fight them and it's like yeah. well what can I do from right next to them I think I can push them away slightly to do one damage <laughs> uh, I'm too close to cast any of my spells if I walk away to do my spells then I'm still not far enough to avoid getting an axe in my neck <laughs> yeah. for the next turn I, yeah I think you can it's a little fiddly but I think you can set it up where you could initiate conversation with your frontline character and make sure your your main character's in an advantageous position beforehand, right? But that's mm -hmm. something that's something that's much easier to do in co-op. And then I would also have to give it up, give up the option of interacting with them with my mainline character, which is something I actually want to do. Yeah, yeah. Because um, otherwise, playing, you don't get like playing a conversational like this, uh, backline character. Like yeah, is yeah. an interesting uh, thing to have to juggle. Yeah, I, it's it's a it's an intersection that I'm not uh, fully <laughs> sure about juggling. And I also so should mention that I am playing on balance the like default difficulty. Yeah, and I do think that the coming off of divinity, I think that the default difficulty is definitely balanced for uh, not just the tactical combat sickos. The the default difficulty in divinity is 
hard because that game mm-hmm. is more about uh, in interacting with the strategic combat. This game is about way more things than that. It's so about the, going on an adventure. The regular difficulty yeah. feels really good. It's not as punishing at all. Uh, yeah, I, so I mean, you watched me uh, play Alex and you definitely got an idea of what I, what Emily and I were up to in this game. And I do think this game is really good, but I think that I, it has not fully clicked for me yet. And I know it will eventually, but I need to get into more of the romance options and like the, the character backstories and stuff. I need to play with more of the other characters. I got to change their classes. Uh, there are some that don't work for me. Oh, yeah. I am go- Re- I'm going respect often. And, I have to uh, change Shadowheart's class because she sucks shit. And I have to change uh, Gale's class because he is the exact same as me. Yeah. So I, so <laughs> we have redundancy. Uh, and um, I am looking forward to doing both of those things. But I, to do that, I need to get more gold and I need to get into more encounters so that I can level up and do all this stuff. And... Uh, it's also I can right now I can only play the game when Emily is home. Yeah, because we're yeah, doing the a curse of run. co-op. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. All right, if if you're all set, I want to break down yeah, some yeah, of definitely. my experience here a little bit. Uh, so I started this game a couple of weeks ago. I um, mentioned it at the top of the show, but I've mm-hmm. been playing in, right. in tabletop. I've been playing a barbarian, and I've really enjoyed. Uh, that stuff they make. Martial fighters are really fun. You're definitely a DPS kind of guy. I really, I really liked being being frontline and maximizing my critical hits and my damage and getting multiple attacks. Uh, all that stuff is super fun. But I, like Nick, I wanted to try and do something a little different from what mm-hmm, I was used mm-hmm. to. Um, so I picked up for my main character a druid, uh, which has been super interesting. I picked the dark urge path, which is a. Um, it's let you make a created character, but it has a specific set backstory, um, and it's uh, all about you uh, getting visions of doing horrible things and then having done horrible things, uh, and it eventually becomes other stuff as you get out there. I've I've only gotten a taste of it so far in Act One, but um, it's kind of a good way. It's a way to get more story out of making your created character, which is what I wanted. Because uh, I wanted to make a guy. I almost picked a pre-made character, but I figured I was going to probably do that if I played the game a second time. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I started as a druid. I went towards the Circle of the Moon, which is the one that prioritizes your um, wild shape transformations. And uh, so I really wanted to spec into being the guy who turned into a bear or a spider and did big damage that way. Uh but also had kind of a side of spells. It was I was kind of splitting the difference between what I was used to uh, getting in there and taking da- taking a bunch of damage and uh, being able to cast buffs and spells before I turned into a bear. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's really cool. I love that. It's neat. Uh, and there's a lot of fun utility spells in the Druid spell book. A lot of stuff that um, is uh, cool to, to like do and then get in there or like cast as an aoe i really like spikes i i don't remember what it was fucking called but it's a big uh you cast a big radius of spikes that i think it's uh, overgrowth it takes uh characters who walk through them take damage and you can cast them like on a bunch of enemies they have to walk out of it pretty yeah. much i have to imagine that this game has very exploitable ai if you know what you're doing because the pathing path seems like a certain they're way. they're kind of they're smart enough where if they've got a way to like uh i ended up finding that a little bit later on like once i stopped fighting like uh, regular old goblins, um, they would be smart enough to to jump instead of walk through the spikes because jumping what well, it doesn't count as walking through the spikes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, they minimize the damage that they take. Uh, but I would usually my strategy was I'd usually cast one of those big concentration spells 
or spells that require concentration and then turn into a bear and then get in there. Nice. <laughs> and, I wanted to compliment this game as well for its story construction in that uh, a setting like this, it is tempting to just use goblins as fodder. You run into goblins and that's like you, you a pack of them and you, you fight them and then that's it. You're done. Uh, like no thought, no thought required. They want your stuff. They they want to they want to you know cook you for dinner. They want they and they want to take all the shiny shit you have and they want to wear your skulls as hats. And it's like okay, great. That's the reason to fight goblins. We're moving on. They have a not only like nuanced but threatening like goblin enemy force in the in the opening act of the game yeah that is like something you can talk to a bunch of characters about you can join them if you want and sure they're not up to good things but like they're also definitely mistreated <laughs> or, or maybe you're not up to good maybe things. you're not yeah. up to good things <laughs> yeah, you definitely the, might maybe not you be. shouldn't they, kill all the, the goblins the goblin camp is an entire hub that can be your main hub depending on how you want to play your character yeah it and, takes a you know weak level one enemy and builds an entire setting threat and like you know, genuine obstacle around them. It's not just something you can blitz through with fireball and plus two sword attacks. Yeah, the big that's the big thing about like Larian combat in general. I think is that there's not a ton of fodder. Like pretty much every time you get into a fight, it is threatening and interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not like uh, like a random battle that you can just hit attack through and win and then not think about. Yeah, even if there's like low-level enemies, if that happens, and you're, like, a higher level and you can kill them one shot, there's, like, a ton of them. So it's or never, Or there's some like, sort of weird combat wrinkle that'll come... You know, a bigger enemy will come in later yeah. or, or something like that. Or they're all in a position where you can't hit them easily or something like that. <laughs> mm -hmm. They have a guy who comes in from behind and dumps acid on you from the ceiling. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I picked Dark Urge. I was... I have been enjoying kind of trying to be deliciously evil with that. Um, I... Uh, Chopped off the mage's hand, completely removing him as a as a potential companion, uh, whatever the fuck he is. Uh, I uh, did. What was I? Oh, all right. So I, this is kind of spoilers for a specific dark urge thing, um, but uh, there's a camp event that you can have where uh, a, a lady bard comes up to you. I think she's from the Grove. Mm -hmm. uh, she's a she uh, yeah, she's a tiefling. Her, you can meet her beforehand. Yep, she's a tiefling, and yeah, you she, can help her like write a song. She joins to your. She joins your camp. Um, one of the dark urge things you do is uh, one night while you're sleeping, you just murder her. <laughs> oh, and uh, you can like be really, really delicious about how uh, how much you've savored this murder that you uh, committed in your sleep, basically. Yeah, I did that on my dark urge. Like I, I was like, no fuck, I didn't want to kill her. Um, and then you can just hide the body, and not nobody knows ever. Yeah. But you, you'll have her loot. I also <laughs> still have a big uh, circle of blood, a ritual circle of blood oh, yeah, on, on the there. floor. <laughs> the, yeah, the camp is persistent. I mean, it changes um, based on like your setting. It's so reactive. But, it's super yeah. cool to set up camp somewhere and be like, ooh, we got a new layout. Yeah, yeah. yeah that that spot will be like persistent. Stuff will be persistent, like um, blood on the ground yeah. or corpses or something like that. So. But that was a super cool random event. I was genuinely shocked when I'm like, oh, fuck, they got me. <laughs> but it was super cool. I, I uh, just like they just introduced you to a character who's like related to your your past. It's kind of an amnesia thing. So you don't really know what your deal is. Uh, but there's this hilarious little That's leprechaun looking. There's a little yeah. leprechaun looking imp, imp guy who's like, 
uh, boy, do I got some stuff to do with you, buddy. Oh, that's and so cool. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't wait. I know some of that stuff pans out later or, or comes more into the forefront later. So I'm mm-hmm. really excited. Um, but for companions, I took Asterian. I really wanted to make him a bard because I heard bards were good. And I thought it would be funny to make him uh, sing at all of us. Yeah. Uh, it's been good. I, I've been... The, the bards are like jacks of all trades, but in a way that's not like the red mage from Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually good to be able to, to dip into all these different things and pick a ton more proficiencies to shore up your team. Uh, he's like a good support, a good buffer, and he can throw out some good damage. Um, my, I also picked Lizelle, who I kept, or I, I didn't want to use Will because uh, I didn't really like him that much. Uh, oh, he has a good. St- they all have a good story. Yeah, I'll get to it. No. <laughs> I, I, I. All right, this is a tangent, but yeah. um, I have decided that when I play through this game again, I'm going to take the B team. Uh-huh. Everyone uh, you benched in the first yep. round? The guy whose arm okay. I cut off, I'm going to take Shadowheart, and I'm going to take Will. So Will Gale, Shadowheart. Yeah. All right. So that means you took uh, Karlak, Lazel, Asteria Correct. first time? Yes. Um, yeah, I I was super not interested in Shadowheart. I'm sure she has a good story, but I uh, basically put She's her God's in God's favorite princess. I put her in the PC box, like I box my starter <laughs> Pokemon. Uh, I She exists in my camp, but I'm maybe never going to talk to her again. Uh same thing with Will. But um, I I specced Lizelle out to be a Warlock because I like the Warlock class, but I didn't want to use Will. Uh, and it's weird to make like a Githyanki warrior into a mage, but I thought it yeah, was pretty fun. Some of your guys' choices are like really weird to me because their classes are like, I mean, not that you shouldn't or can't do it, but I'm just like, oh, but their whole story just revolves around X thing that, that is yeah, so linked yeah. to their class. It is so tied to their class, but... Uh, you know, if they are a burden on me in, in a fight, then I would like them to... Yeah, I'm uh, not really... Yeah, I, yeah. I am playing for the story. The, yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 s- the story and the flavor the are... will come are... with it. Like, I, I don't think I would want to turn Karlak into a mage, you know? Yeah. I feel like that wouldn't really fit. I would. I'm but, all uh, about the RP. I just yeah. turned her into a monk, and I've been having a lot of fun See, with that. See, that fits to me, though. She's <laughs> yeah. like, she is into solving her problems in a very direct way yeah Yeah. i found this great um shout out to the Baldur's gate 3 builds subreddit i've been perusing that while i've been at work sometimes um but it i found a really fun looking uh monk build where uh so so far i'm only level six so i don't have access to everything but you with that you can get a pretty decent build going right now i have a setup where you can use like a sweeping strike to knock an enemy prone and then attack, uh, punch them two more times uh, on that same turn. And then they get reeling. And then I, I don't think, I think that might be something I have to figure out. But uh, so far I, I have that as a baseline. It wastes one of their actions to get up from prone. And then next turn I can just do it again to knock them down. <laughs> so uh, it's been super fun. I, that's been my kind of thing I've been figuring out. I've been exploring... The uh the underdark, which is like the second yeah. half of Act One's big map. We talking to the Myconids. I love those guys. Oh, yeah. Those guys are so cool. Mushroom yep. people. Killing some really slavers, need. talking to some mushrooms, all the good stuff. Um, um but yeah, it, it's been an amazing game, and I really am so excited to get into the second act. I'm probably gonna clean up a couple things that I know I missed, but I'm really kind of Jones in to get into the like the meat of the story. This is the kind of game that would do well with the second episode, which we talked about during the break a little bit. Yeah, I it, think I think when I finish this, I'm going to want to talk about it enough mm-hmm. to, yeah. to come back. 
So this is the basically spoiler-free version of our Baldur's Gate 3 episode. If you want to play it before we come back to it in a couple of months. You probably have already played it. You probably have already played it. Statistically, (laughs) a lot of people have. Although, weirdly enough, every single person I've talked to that has played this game has not finished it. What's up with that? It's too long. How come everyone starts a second playthrough before they're done with the first one? What's wrong with you people? Because we missed something. Oh my god. Move on. No. (laughs) All right. All right. So, Seth, it's your episode next week. Yep. What are we doing? Well, so last week I was kind of inspired uh-huh. um, by the by the topic. You know, we all got to go back um, uh-huh. to the originators of a lot of tropes, yeah. the the first of some genres. And okay. I was thinking maybe we could go back to the first of every genre. Oh. The first oh. story. No! Down. Yeah. yeah, we're doing it. We're breaking the glass. Breaking the Gilgum glass. Gilgum glass. Oh, reading. man, I can't wait to hear what my buddy Enkidu thinks about this. Wow. <laughs> the Mesopotamian story. The of, Epic of Gilgamesh. Uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh. Oh, God, I can't fucking wait to do this, man. Yeah. This is going to be so story. good. Yep. Uh, the Epic of Gilgamesh go is allegedly the first recorded book. story. There are many yeah. translations out there. I gotta go get a stone tablet. Yeah, I know. We're yeah. we're going to the stone tablet store right after we yeah, finish. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm it. just going to Iran real quick. <laughs> I wouldn't. You don't. Maybe not, not now. No. You can't really. You can't say you've read Gilgamesh unless you've read it in Sanskrit. Though. I know. Really. Um. Fake, wrong. fake people reading fake the fan. remake. Uh, it would be in like linear A. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Cuneiform. Cuneiform. Sorry, I'm mixing up my shit. What about Linear B? No, Uh, Linear B has not. No, Linear linear B has been deciphered. Coming onto my timeline. Linear A has not been deciphered. That's different. (laughs) We're talking about uh, Cuneiform. Is what we're talking about. I can't believe I get that reference. Fuck you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. We are. We are gonna get. We are gonna get very abstract with it. uh, Going back to. Possibly the uh, the origin of the idea of storytelling in the mm. modern world. The first story. The Fertile uh, Crescent will be there. Yeah, we will be there. Wow. All right. And we'll see you next week with the Epic of Gilgamesh. Gate of Babylon. Bye. Bye. Words of mine will turn